Welcome to CSI Atlanta, the podcast, and we are on location in New York City in the fabulous studios of Dr. Oz. We are so excited. Cheryl, is this great? It's almost like fantasy camp for an adult. It's crazy. We've certainly been very comfortable here. (laughs) I think we can fill in when you're not available, Dr. Oz. (laughs) I'd be very honored. Well, we are excited that you have taken the time to talk about some cases that mean a lot to us. And Cheryl is going to kick things off because we've got a lot of questions for you. Doctor, your passion to investigate true crime is obvious. Uh, the way you approach victims and your advocacy and your, just your heartfelt compassion to them. Can you tell us, is that the reason you decided to include this on the Dr. Oz show? You know, I've always been curious. As a physician, we're detectives. That's fundamentally what we do. But in particular, the times in the body where there's a fine line between good and evil. I'll give you an example. The flora in our gut, right? The bacteria in our gut is incredibly toxic, and yet without it, we couldn't live. We outsource digestion to our bacteria. But too much of the bad bacteria, you run into all kinds of health problems. So since this is not a, st- a show on poop, I'll move on. I'm, I'm pat- but think <laughs> of the metaphor, though, because mm-hmm. I think it's pretty accurate. There's a fine line between good and evil. It's true in life as well. We all benefit from having an evil tendency in us that we could unleash if we had to, to protect loved ones, to, to fight off a, a predator, to, to catch our prey. And yet, ideally, in civic society, we curtail that, in, that, that emotion, that, that drive, and we show the, the good part of it. And... I'm always struck when that doesn't work. And I know that's why so many viewers, why, frankly, all of America is, is captured when these stories come alive, because they're iconic. They're almost biblical in scale. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of emotion that tugs at us. There's some difficult moral and emotional dilemmas. There's the whole issue of redemption. Does a person deserve it or not? There's the issue of forgiveness. I mean, are you going to give the perpetrator more power over you by not forgiving them? So even though they don't, they're, they're sociopath, they're not bothered that you're mad at them, but you're certainly bothered that you are mad at them. As the old adage goes, you're you know, make, making the poison and drinking it yourself. Because it's not impacting on them. So all that comes together as a physician. And I look at these stories through the lens of a doctor. And I think to myself, oh, my goodness, there's a lot we can comment on here. Not just the DNA evidence and the forensics and the CSI, which you guys are so world class at, at CSI Atlanta. But also the, the deeper psychological triumph and failures that occur when you're trying to deal with some of these minds. That is, without a question, the greatest answer I've ever ever heard just to encapsulate that. And from now on, when I tell people, listen to your gut, it's going to be for both reasons, good oh, and what evil. What a good play on words. Oh, my yeah. goodness. You heard it here first. Yeah, you created that <laughs> one. We're going to have to use that Cheryl, one. Cheryl, it's yours. It's oh, good. Oh, my goodness. And and you, you know, you've done so many awesome stories. Can you say which ones have touched you the most, have meant the most? I know you had some recently that really well, Elizabeth, changed yeah, things. Elizabeth Smart, I tell you, was, uh, was a great recent interview I did. And I had interviewed her about her original abduction when she was just a young teenager, a child. And remember, she was abducted for nine months, mm-hmm. uh, raped, not, not, just, not just a perpetrating male, but his female friend was helping uh, right. with all this uh, mishmash of craziness. And then she got away, and then she got past it. And their family, God bless them for their deep, soulful group. They managed together to get through it. And then she's on a plane recently, and she gets sexually assaulted by the guy next to her while she's asleep. And so she came out again to talk about something that's very unique about her, which is Elizabeth Smart's not about being a victim. She's about how you deal with the problem. So she created a new group now to help you defend yourself if a man puts a hand on you. Because why would a woman just complain about that later on in court? I mean, just defend yourself. My wife, Lisa, actually, years ago, we had gone to— See Oprah's school in South in uh, in South Africa, 
And, you know, those young women come out of very troubled neighborhoods oftentimes, mm-hmm. and several of them have been sexually assaulted on their vacation time, you know, when mm-hmm. they weren't in the school. And Lisa said, why don't we start a, pro- a program where these young women are taught what, she, what Lisa had learned as a child, which is karate or taekwondo or some type of martial arts. So even if you're not the biggest person in the room, you can strike in a place where people don't want to get hit and get away, which is the whole goal, not to inflict harm, but to get away. Uh, the West Memphis Three, do you remember that story? Oh, yeah. That wasn't far from uh, you guys. Now, this, is a, this guy, Damien Nichols, was accused wrongly of being in a cult and murdering these little kids. He went to jail, was on death row for many years, freed because his wife would not give up on him. Now, when someone like Damien Nichols gets off, it's not just nice that justice was carried out. It's also important because, you know, the actual murderer of the little boys in West Memphis was still out there killing other little boys. So it's not just that you got the wrong person. It's that you don't have the right person. I think that's why the stories that you at CBS 46 are pursuing is so critical because you're actually saving the lives of viewers by getting the right people off the street. Hmm. Amen. And you did Epstein's suicide? Well, this is... uh, <laughs> or so, was it suicide? Exactly. Well, that's a, that's the old joke. You know, it's a horrible day joke about this. But mm-hmm. you know, if, if you're surprised Epstein committed suicide, imagine how he feels. <laughs> and so, you know, people. Yeah. Yeah, what do you mean? I mean, I, is that really possible? Right. And I I had the the prior New York City medical examiner on the show, and he's a very thoughtful guy, very well uh, rounded gentleman. And uh, you know, he 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 said Michael Baden. He said that. Uh, it is highly unlikely, statistically, this was a suicide. It's possible, but there are too many parts of the story that don't make sense as a physician. The way that the bones and neck were fractured. Correct. So they're fractured in three spots, which, Cheryl, as you know, is much more consistent with a strangulation when someone puts their hands on your neck than a hanging where the rope is actually up in your chin. So it doesn't really get you down in the neck bones. Uh, so, again, how did that happen? The blood vessels were burst in his eyes. That only happens if your blood's still, you know, it doesn't happen in the hanging because you shut off all the blood supply to the head at once. Right. Where with a hanging, with a strangulation, you don't do it quite that way. And there's other really interesting insights that he shared. But the biggest concern I had is that this was like double secret, you know, it was a double secret confer- confirmation of suicide. I mean, no one actually understands why it was made. It was done uh, a few days later without any warning, no, no real explanation. It just, it's a suicide. Stop asking so many questions. But that's the whole purpose of being yep. a doctor. Right. But our job is to ask questions and is being a detective and in media. That's what we're trained to do. Right. Mm-hmm. Karen is ask questions. Otherwise, right. what's the point? We're supposed to ask the questions you, the listener slash viewer have. <laughs> and not to mention that the corrections officers just weren't there. Right. Well, there's that's, I mean, that's the, something cam- else. <laughs> the cameras weren't working. <laughs> right. Uh, the, you know, he had, you know, everyone said, well, he tried to commit suicide earlier. The only argument against that is he said he didn't try to commit suicide. He said his cellmate tried to kill him. So you're sitting there thinking, well, the man is claiming they were trying to kill him. We're telling everyone it's a suicide, even though he says it's not. Then he dies, and they were saying it's suicide. <laughs> if he was here, he would not say it was suicide. Yeah, it's pretty messy. Doctor, your intellect is obvious. I mean, you're a world-renowned physician. But what have you learned from investigating true crime? I've learned a lot about resilience, a lot about honor, about bravery, uh, and, and, and the ability of people. You know, you think about a samurai sword. The way it gets so hard is it gets getting hammered, and then you fold it over, you hammer it again, fold it over, keep hammering it, and the steel gets harder and harder. The victims in these stories are samurai warriors. Mm-hmm. They've sharpened their instincts. Uh, they've, they've been able to withstand insurmountable uh, conflicts. I mean, like Job in the, in the Bible, they're just you know, coming back, and they're still there, and they're still fighting, and, uh, and that's hugely en- en- enlightening for me. But it's also, it warms my heart to see that's what humanity is about. 
Now, if I put my scientific hat on, I see technologies like the Parabonics group that you guys are working with mm-hmm. where they can take DNA samples and recreate the phenotype of your face, which means we can, we can sort of guess what you look like based just on your DNA, which is unbelievable. I actually I heard about it watching a television program on an airplane in Asia. Oh, wow. Of all places. And then I quickly, as, as we landed, I texted my team to get these guys immediately. We've been honored to have some of their stuff on the show. The DNA technology now across the board, especially with the ability to take it back um, in, in time and identify the, the, the ancestors of the true killer. So at least you narrow down who really the bad person was. And there's some, there was a case up in, uh, it was in Montana. And a uh, newlywed couple moved up there having a good time. One night, table set for three. They're, two, they're newlyweds. Table set for three, no food eaten, and both husband and wife dead. Mm. No one knows what happened. Years go by, but they, they, they perpetrated rape the, the woman. They were able to identify who he was. He was a drifter who had knew, the, knew them from when they were down in Arkansas and had moved up there with them, now, not unbeknownst to anybody, actually went to their funeral. Sign the guest book at the funeral. And so you begin to realize you would never have caught this person, wow. ever. You know, we'd never thought of looking to, uh, in the guest book of the, of the funeral. Although people, criminals who kill, who are sociopaths, psychopaths, will often want to revisit the grave. Yes. And there are many examples of that in our literature. But again, the part of my, in that number that sticks in my mind is the idea that approaching half of all the murders are not solved. We got to pay attention, guys. Mm-hmm. You know, with that, law enforcement, God bless them, working as hard as they do, underfunded, overwhelmed, under-resourced. It's up to us, not just the media, but you who are listening right now. When you see an idea, tackle it. And we've done that. We've had librarians come on the show. In their free time, they, they crack murders. Like they, 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 they deal Absolutely. With, you know, cold cases are solved 20 years later by a librarian who just looks at the data again. I mean, come on. We have the technology. Go out and be a detective. That's Doctor, right. you say it all the time. The power of one. That's right. One person one. can make a difference and dadgummit, that's the only thing that ever has. Exactly. And if you don't acknowledge that, you're under, you're, you're not living your life's full potential. Amen. Be proud about it. The platform you've got for this show really helps to get all of that information out and make a difference. What impact would you say this show's had on the victims' families, you know, by doing these investigations? We have quite a few cases now that have been turned around. There's one that sticks in my mind of a, a, a tragic uh, story, a young, a young woman in Philadelphia who had had some issues, uh, just emotional issues, but she was not suicidal, uh, is found dead in her apartment with 20 stab wounds to her head and it's ruled a suicide. Most people don't stab themselves 20 times to commit suicide. And um, just recently, in part because of the show, there's a lot of pressure and, and light shed on this case. And now uh, they're able to go after the autopsy, the, the coroner, because there was something fishy about this whole case. And that's the first place you start is who got to you? Who was telling you to do right what? Why didn't you actually say what probably most coroners would have said, which is at least we're not sure, but this is not typical of suicide. And I think those are the kinds of cases I love hearing about. And when criminals change their minds and do different things, like happened with the, the there's a, a doomsday cult mom whose kids are missing. The grandparents came on the show to plead for help. She's now clearly in the a target for investigation, and she's therefore sort of fleeing, running from place to place. That changes their behavior, which is often a good thing because they make mistakes. Correct. Mm-hmm. You've learned from the best in this business. That would be. Madam Oprah. Yes. <laughs> Talk about what role she's played in your career and your life. Because you, you, you would have been a well-accomplished. You were fine. You're, you're a physician. You're doing great, happy. But you, you took a, a right turn. 
Uh, it, it was a, a serpentine path to where I am now. But oh, I'll tell you, uh, being in television was never on my vision board. Uh, my wife, Lisa, however, said, remember those Byzantine commercials with the bloodshot eyes? Those are her, her eyes. And so she realized the power of media to do good. And she was the one who actually conspired with Oprah to, to launch the show because both of them appreciate something about the, the, the world we live in that I did not, which is the power of media to, to influence you in a very subtle but important way. And, but you need a, a mentor, someone who really knows how to do it the right way. And Oprah is that person, fairest woman I've ever met in my life. And we've had countless uh, experiences where I've watched her blow things up because they weren't serving the audience the right way. As subtle as just say that again, but in a clearer fashion, because I know the audience can get it if you do it right. And it's that confidence she has in each of us mm-hmm. that makes her probably the most respected maternal figure in America. Remarkable. Yeah. Have you ever blown up a show, gotten in, and it wasn't what you wanted? And yeah. said, We're not doing this. Uh, there are people that you know, prominent people who've come on the show who are not in a good place emotionally, who have imploded, uh, and they're basically melted into a puddle on the set. And listen, it's, uh, it's riveting television, but it's incredibly harmful to them. Mm-hmm. And I've taken several of those shows and killed them. And I'll, I'm very proud we did. And I think it helps the culture of the organization that you know you can do something that's purient and gets ratings, but is not right for who you are. And you really know your brand when you have a great opportunity to do something, but you know it's not you. And then you don't. Is wow. there anything you wouldn't do for a show? I, I, I would never purposely hurt a guest. I, I'm sure that I've had shows where guests felt that they were hurt, but I would never purposely go out there with the intent of hurting them and then actually hurt them on purpose. There's, there are times when, they, when their, their, their truth is the truth and it ought to be heard and they're harder on themselves than I think they should be. Uh, but that's, that's, that's what we aspire to. Again, no one's perfect. I'm sure I haven't hit it 100%, but uh, I'm proud that's our goal. We saw it today. His compassion was so obvious. And the thing is, you, know, you come in here and you're a fan because the show is fantastic. But you leave here literally knowing the human being. Well, you, you kind of say that. I tell you, it's a, it's a great honor to be in people's homes, but you got to remember you, we're guests in their homes, right? You, you're all out there listening. You invited us in. Uh, you wouldn't have invi- invited us in if we didn't, weren't bringing good people with us and, and talking about stuff that we care about. Other shows might do it in different ways, uh, but I think I aspire to be next to folks like you, well-meaning, hard-hitting, ask the tough questions, be fair about the answers, give everyone their, their time, and let the truth shine. We're excited, Dr. Oz. Thank you so much. We know the shows that we did with you are going to air in March, April sometime. We'll let people know. Um, But we appreciate the time you've given us. And Dr. Oz's show can be seen in the metro Atlanta area weekdays, 3 p.m. on CBS 46. God bless both of you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. 